Welcome to Transform Now, the podcast brought to you by robotic process automation pioneer, Blue Prism. Digital transformation has the potential to reshape the way companies service their customers, engage their employees, and manage their operations. Whether you're looking to develop strategies, tactics, and best practices to positively impact the future of work, or you're curious to learn how other companies have successfully navigated their digital transformation programs, then this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform now. Hello, and welcome to the Transform Now podcast. I'm your host, Michael Marchuk. And today, we have a very special guest with us, Debbie Lovich, who is a managing director and senior partner in the Boston office of Boston Consulting Group and is the global topic leader on people strategy. Welcome, Debbie. Thanks for having me. We're so glad that you joined us. So tell us a little bit more about yourself and why people strategy is so critical to digital transformation. Yeah, absolutely. So... um I've been at BCG based in Boston for 27 years and about halfway through my career, I, you know, I had focused on like many of my colleagues on strategy and operations. And I actually thought the people stuff was a little soft, right? The real smart people do strategy work and operational work. And I realized, I guess, halfway through my career that, you know, all my grand plans for my clients um, never yielded the value that I had hoped or thought they could yield because they didn't have the right leaders in the right roles with the right capabilities, you know, creating the right culture where people could thrive and do their best. And, um, and so I shift my I shifted my focus over to the people side and that's essentially what people strategy is all about. You know, given your strategic and operational plans, you know, do you have the right people, the right skill mix? Do you have the right leaders? Are they setting the right culture? Um, you know, and do you have an organization that could attract and retain and engage and get the most out of and inspire um, people? And so that's what people strategy covers, everything about um, people. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. So as companies that are... Help? Pardon? I'm sorry, did you say something else? Nope, I lost you for a second oh. there. No, right, sorry. Um, so great. That, that's interesting how you're bringing this whole people concept back into it. So uh, many of these companies have been engaged in, in digital transformation for years, but it's not always about just the technology piece. Can you talk about this whole people concept and how it fits in with digital transformation? Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you're even asking that question. I think so many of us and so many organizations just focus on getting the technology right. right. And then if they focus on the human side, they'll focus on, well, do we have people here that can get the technology right? But they forget about the other side of the equation, which is even if you get the technology right, you need people who can use it, who can embrace it in their day-to-day. -day. I mean, just take, for example, I don't know, you're coming up with a new you know, dispatch system for your truck drivers. Well, if I'm a truck driver and I've been driving truck for a long time, I don't want any, you know, automated process telling me what to do and I'm not going to use it. I'm going to reject it. And so how do you not just develop the technologies um, that you need and the use cases and the robotics and, you know, everything that you need? How do you get the human side of the organization to embrace it and use it? And that's why this topic is so, so important, 
right? That doesn't happen in a digital, you know, department or technology department. That happens across the organization. And there's so much to it. There's so much to it. Absolutely. So there's, you talk about the amount of um, complexity that goes into this, you know, BCG has, has kind of embraced this, this concept of a bionic company and it involves a bunch of different things. I was hoping you could kind of give us a little bit of a, a preview. What does a bionic company look like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, bionic, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, you know, the $6 million man and, oh, I do remember it. and right. And the bionic woman. And the whole notion is, you take a human and you combine that human with technology and you have someone with superpowers, right? Um, it was a great show, but it's also a great concept, right? Like it's not that machines replace humans or that humans should be um, scared of machines, but it's that you, know, you put the two together and it gives an organization superpowers. So, um, you know, just back to my example, Imagine a lot of, you know, digital and technology solutions allow truck drivers to actually not have to do the rote and tedious stuff around planning their routes and, you know, talking, to, you know, thinking about where to focus when, but it allows them to focus just more on the customer interaction and, you know, and engaging with customers. And you put that human element of engaging with customers together with, the bionic element of coming up with, you know, better targets, better routes, you know, better offerings, and you have a superpower. And one without the other um, doesn't work as well, doesn't work as well. And that's the notion of the bionic company, making sure we focus as much on the technology side as we do on the human side, because when you put that together, you could deliver um just, you know, levels above where you were before. We've seen that certainly in terms of some of the customers we've dealt with and I've talked with over the years, um, understanding how they've embraced the technology is one aspect of it, but certainly when they bring people into it and, and provide a vision for how this could be working differently, it really, it really looks different than a, a normal technology implementation kind of program. But as we look at some of these things, um, it's not all smooth sailing, right? So as you're building out uh, a technology program that is now changing the way um, people interact with the customers, either digitally or in different formats, um, there are things like bumps along the road that can happen. So what are some of these common say, pitfalls that, that companies might encounter as they're going through these digital transformation programs with their people? Yeah, it's a great question. So I try and take organizations on a journey, right? And the journey is, you know, one, maybe first step is recognizing the human element is important. So everything we just talked about, right? That I need to worry about the human element um, as much, if not more, as I worry about the technological element. And um, so that's step one. Step two is, you know, I've got to do it at the same time right? I've got to do it at the same time. It's not like I could figure out the technology first and then build the human element. Um, people aren't linear. We're not at, you know, we don't all um, work the same way um, to change behavior, to change culture, to upskill people. You know, you've got to, you know, work it person by person and that's challenging. And so one is it's important. Two is I've got to start early, right? 
And it's not like we come up with the use cases and then we figure out how to convince people to do it, right? No, you've got to involve the users from the very beginning in designing the solutions. And so, um, so really getting it early on. I think the third step of the journey is this is not something you do off to the side, like let's do some training for people. Right. If you think about it, how do you build new muscles? You don't watch an exercise video from the couch or you don't, you know, go to even a spa for a week to get in shape. You actually have to work out every day. Right. And walk to work, take the stairs, do walking meetings. Even in this time of COVID, I like, you know, if we were on video, you might see that I'm on a treadmill. Right. I'm not doing it now because the background noise would not be good for this podcast. But Um, The point is you have to work out every day. And so to learn new skills on how to embrace technology, you can't do a, you know, training webinar from your desk. You can't even do a, you know, offsite, you know, high immersion training for a week. You actually have to use the technology every day and do deliberate practice every day. So step one, people matter. Step two, start early. Step Three, this is not off to the side. It's integrated in the work of the work. And um, and it takes, you know, real focus, um, focus to deliver. And I think, you know, maybe the fourth thing connected to all of those steps, one through three, is to think about um, you don't do technology in one place and the users in another, that actually, you know, digitally building capabilities is every part of the organization. It is, you know, the digital talent, of course, that you need to develop the solutions. And gosh, there's a shortage of digital talent these days. Um, It's the that I talked about, right, not to organ reject the solutions. But you also need to think about the leaders who sit on top of that digital talent. Um, you know, the very senior leaders, the C-suite executives to create a culture where digital could thrive. Um, And that is an experimenting, fail fast, don't beat up things that don't work the first, second, third, fourth, or even 17th time. Um, You know, an empowering culture, Um, get away from steer codes and, um, you know, death by metrics real customer focus, right? So leaders have to create a culture where the, you know, digital could thrive and, you know, people are allowed to learn, which means people are allowed to make mistakes. Um, You also have to upskill, you know, the next level of leadership, the senior managers who sit on top of functions or business units. They have to know enough about the power of digital, not only to create the environment I just talked about, but also to identify where are there opportunities in their business, right? In their um, operations where digital could help accelerate. So they need to know, uh, not they don't need to be expert on any individual technology, but they need to know enough to know the art of the possible so they could identify use cases for transformation and prioritize them. And so that's the fourth piece about really um, thinking about it at every level of the organization and also every part of the organization, um, you know, across all the different businesses, functions, and geographies. So this doesn't sound like when you're looking at a, 
a traditional digital transformation that might be run out of the IT organization where they're rolling out some new um, platform piece. Um, this sounds like it requires a lot more thinking, a lot more planning, and sort of and a vision to to really uh, accomplish that that the best goal at the end of the day. That's right. That's right. Vision and planning, but also engagement, right? And I mean, I'm, so many people know it's hard for technology to drive things without engaging the business partners from the very beginning and creating that plan and creating that vision because they're the internal customer, right? Um, and so it's very hard to develop solutions in the best way without the voice of the customer along the way. That that totally makes sense. Uh, when you've seen building out these organizations using um, like sort of buzzwords these days, the agile methodologies and whatnot, um, there's sort of this concept of of being able to move quickly, but then then scale quickly along with that. How do you how what would that look like from from the perspective of a bionic company? Yeah, so agile at scale is definitely. Uh, well, first of all, agile is such a buzzword, right? I, you know, we've mm -hmm. seen it go from agile everything to no one wants to call it agile because agile connotes all these ceremonies, um, you know, and um, Kaizen events and, you know, retrospectives and stand-ups and backlog. It's not about the ceremonies. It's about um, almost like a philosophy. It's a way of working. It means experimental, it means data-driven, it means setting a vision and then empowering those closest to the rock face to do it. Um, it means, you know, continuously prioritizing like frequent, frequent, frequent customer feedback and iteration, um, that embracing um, when things go wrong as a valuable opportunity to learn and not as something to push under the rug, um, almost celebrate it, right? And so those philosophies, then there are a set of tools and artifacts and ceremonies that help you work that way. But those are there as support, not as, you know, it's more of a philosophy and a way of working. And you could certainly have, you know, this persistent cross-functional team that does your first couple of example, um, you know, use case development, and they can work in agile ways. And if they're given the real freedom to work that way, and I mean, like if you ask for steering committee updates along the way um, and you don't embrace failure as, okay, that's great. Now, what are you going to do different, right? It, so you have to create that environment that they could thrive, but it's very hard for them to exist in an organization that is operating very differently. And so that's where the at scale concept comes in that, you know, once you prove out that this is a great way of working in terms of quality, speed, um, and engagement, it's much more fun to work that way, honestly. Um, then how do you scale it quickly so it doesn't get organ rejected by the organization? And that scaling it quickly involves, um, the at scale, rethinking your operating model, rethinking governance, rethinking leadership, rethinking HR, what gets rewarded. Like, for example, rewarding teams as much as individuals, rewarding behaviors, the how, as much as the what, the results, the impact, right? And so um, once you see the value in it, 
you need to think carefully, okay, how do we move quickly? And it doesn't have to be the whole company at once. You can say, let's do this, you know, this division or this business. Um, but you can't have people operating at two different speeds. It just, they'll butt heads. I can imagine. I can imagine because as we see, not every company is born digital, right? We have a, a wide spectrum of those who um, have, these companies have been around for hundred or hundreds of years um, and have evolved over time um, a little bit. Some of them are in the sort of the traditional banking, insurance kind of things, which have been around for quite a long time. But now we have all these newer companies who don't have necessarily the, the same amount of baggage nor the same amount of legacy thought process in the way they operate to do that. So when you look at an, a legacy company who is trying to adopt this, where would you see the um, easiest way to introduce this type of concept into a legacy organization who's not used to do, thinking this way? Yeah, I think the most important place to start is with the leadership team. Because that's, you know, that's where the legacy sits. Um, you know, typically a leadership team has been there, you know, 20, 30, you know, years, mm -hmm. or if they came in laterally from other companies, but similar cultures. And the leadership team really needs to get it. They need to get it. I think they need to spend time immersing themselves in what it feels like to operate differently. You know, whether that's visiting other companies that have gone through similar transformations, you know, spending time in some of these, as you said, you know, non-legacy companies and to see how different it is, um, you know, and then practicing some of it themselves. Because unless you have the leadership team on board and excited and supportive, um, it's hard to move at scale in these legacy operations. It really is. You can make some progress in pockets, which is great, but um, I'd really start with a, you know, committed, you know, leadership team that, you know, puts their hands together and says, we are all in this. We're going to go there. It's going to feel uncomfortable, but we're going to learn and be stronger. And we have to do it because otherwise we're going to lose all our talent. True. That is true. So you're making this this leap, and the corporate leadership is um, has bought into it, or they they understand the value of moving that way. Um, what can corporate leadership do to make this transition of engaging employees uh, more effective, or or building that culture? How can they how can they support that? Yeah, I mean, you know, part of it is um, really listening to them employees. I find a lot of organizations think that communications is sending out a memo, you know, once every couple of weeks. And that's not engaging employees, mm -hmm. that's telling employees. And, you know, the challenge is how do you set up a true two-way dialogue with employees, you know, where you can share the vision and get them excited and get reactions. Right. And, um, you know, everyone worries, oh, they're over surveyed. We don't want to do another survey. I'll tell you, employees want their input heard. And when they're, you know, relevant questions and they get listened to, they're excited to contribute. And so, you know, it's about creating the channel, the two way channel. And there are multiple ways to do that. Right. You could, you know, crowdsource input on issues. You can set up. Um, advisory panels 
you know, from different departments and levels and groups of high performers and opinion leaders and, you know, meet with them once a week. Um, you know, you can, you know, spend time. It's also just about spending time out with employees. So one of the clients we worked with several years ago, the leadership team decided, okay, every time they meet as a leadership team for like a full day, which was, I think around once a month, they, instead of doing it at the corporate headquarters in their executive suites, they spent it out in a manufacturing plant or a research facility Hmm. or distribution site. Um, And they spent, you know, half the time just out there talking with employees and then half the time meeting in their location, right? It could be, you know, something as small as that, that just gets the engagement and the alignment and the input to create a real dialogue that we're co-creating this future together. And it's not something that's being done to you. So it sounds like as you're talking through this, especially within some of these more legacy organizations who maybe weren't born digital, um, there's some effort required by executive yeah. leadership to be able to really engage, not only to think about what they want to do, but to engage um, by looking at other companies that are that are trying to model themselves after and by engaging their employees who are you know, where the rubber hits the road in their organization to get those ideas bubbled up. Um, in a very, you know, conscious way, because it sounds like if you're not engaging your employees or you're not trying to change the culture to do that, you're basically, it's that whole thing. You're going to get get the same thing you always got because you're doing the same thing you've always done. Yeah. And here's the hard part with it, because that's, that's the right recap. I would add one more thing, Michael, which is, um, it's like, sounds cheesy, right? But the old, you know, Gandhi, be the change you want to see. Mm-hmm. So you want your teams to work differently. You want them to learn to embrace digital. Well, how are you as a leader doing that? How are you role modeling? You know, and I'm going to fail a couple of times before I get it right. Um, I'm going to learn something like, I don't know, how to use Miro to brainstorm mm-hmm. with other executives and, you know, get good at it as opposed to having my admin print everything out and give it to me to read. Right. right. And how can you visibly show and talk about how uncomfortable but rewarding it is to digitally upskill yourself? Mm-hmm. I see. So well, that's a, that's a great that way of. Uh, <laughs> that's a great way of, of describing it, I, and I appreciate the way you approach that because, quite honestly, that's that's something that I think that is is something that all of our executives need to understand, which is that whole concept of be the change you want to be you want to see that that's really it. If I want our organization to change, how am I personally leading that change in myself to change the culture right. to be what I want it to be? Well, that's very, very good. Well, Debbie, I would really appreciate you joining us today. Um, you came through and brought us a lot of really good insights and information um, as we look at digital transformation and, and the fact that it, it isn't really just all about technology, but there's a lot of human factors that we need to not only consider, but embrace to be able to be effective as we're transitioning um, into this digital organization. So I really appreciate your insights. No, my pleasure. Always happy to talk about the human side. Thanks for tuning in to Transform Now. For more insightful discussions on digital transformation and more, 
check out our podcast channel where you'll find all of our previous episodes. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And if you like what you heard, please leave us a review. For more information about digital transformation and the future of work, check out blueprism.com to learn how Blue Prism's digital workforce is enabling enterprise transformation now. Thank you.